You're listening to Rashkin Report. I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. My guest today is a writer and professor at the University of Concordia, Montreal, Canada, Mikhail Yosef. Hello, Mikhail. Welcome back. Uh, hello, Yuri. <laughs> Glad to be back. <laughs> Thank you. Well, in the last 24 hours, we have learned of the assassination of Qasem Soleimani, an Iranian major general in the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, who from 1998 until his death, so for over 20 years, was commander of its Quds Force, a division primarily responsible for extraterritorial, military, and clandestine operations. Well, uh, the decision was made by United States President Donald Trump, who so far appears quite pleased and triumphant about this event. Um, let's take this apart. Um, first, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think first when you hear this on the news? Um, well, um, Trump had just... Um, uh, Given a brief, uh, uh, just given a brief presentation uh, about this, took no questions, and uh, the clear impression is that he is trying to de present this as an act of de-escalation rather than escalation. Basically, it looks like an impulsive act, uh, and now uh, America is, seems to be saying, or the administration seems to be saying, "Okay, let's leave it at that. Let's forget about this. Uh, let's talk now." Uh, war is not in your interests, in our interests, but let's talk. That's not how it works, uh, because um, the um, Soleimani's successor and uh, all the political um, forces in Iran are united now in a desire to seek revenge, uh, and they would lose face had they not done so. And so um, it clearly is a major act of escalation uh, uh, and uh, uh, of tensions between the United States. It, 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 uh, it seems like uh, we are poised on the brink of uh, all-out war and um, in the region, and probably it would spread in outlying regions as well. And, uh, um, now, and, it, and it seems like the gamble, though, is that Iran is not strong enough that it cannot do anything to harm us substantially. Okay, so we ask people to leave the country for a while, um, you know, but can they really hurt us? And I think that's maybe where it feels like we're secure, but are we? Well, are there many people in the United States who actually believe that this has been thought out thoroughly, that Trump is the kind of person who takes well-thought-out decisions rather than impulsive ones in keeping with his impulse control of a small child? Um, how many people actually believe that he can find Iran on the map? How many people believe that he knows what the long plan, long long term plan is um, for this whole thing? How many people believe that he knows the difference? All right, between Mikhail. But are you saying that because there's differences here? Because you can have somebody brought him a burger, his blood sugar rose, and then somebody else, uh, you know, who has some planning ability, brought him uh, a brief that said, "Hey, we have the opportunity to take this guy out, President Trump. Let's do it." And um, you know, and that's that's one option. The other option is that this has somehow some advantages to somebody um, that, uh, you know, this man had very good, was in good standing with Vladimir Putin. And uh, supposedly uh, Trump has a good relationship with Kremlin. Why, why would he do such a foolish thing on that level? Well, leaving aside uh, Putin's relations with Soleimani, Putin's relations with uh, people relations with people are always purely transactional and if anyone believes that russia is not going to benefit massively from the oil 
price hike now, um, then uh, basically those people kind of misunderstand Putin. Uh, the, the fact that oil is going to go, prices are likely to go much higher now uh, is of greater importance to him than his personal friendship, but uh, which I've never heard of, actually. Russia has already expressed... Uh, expressed its displeasure, but of, I can guarantee you that they're rubbing their hands because, of course, uh, Russia is going to be one of the major beneficiaries of any um, any kind of conflict uh, in the Persian Gulf and in the region. And in, in and in this context, could this be uh, that uh, relationship between Kremlin and versus the opportunity and impulse of Trump? You know, how do you square those away? Well, I think that in 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 that in in that uh, uh, aspect, uh, if you look at it at that angle, he's actually doing uh, Putin a major favor uh, by 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 basically raising price uh, the price of oil, um, in the, and 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 that basically is by far the the most important thing that matters to Putin, but. Um, Look, uh, the man was a horrible human being and a murderer and had blood of millions, of thousands of Americans and uh, many other people on his hands, but he was also a top-level government official. I suggest we now go for, go after top-level government officials um, and other evil world leaders uh, and some names that are much more readily out there uh, why why not let's just start assassinating them all and see how that plays out uh, <clears throat> and uh, um, so uh, I, I think it has been an act well anything to distract from the impeachment proceedings anything to stave off the the fact that to, to obscure the fact that the majority of American people now believe that he has committed impeachable offenses. Mikhail, part, and that's, that's exactly yeah. what I wanted to kind of take as the second part of uh, what I wanted to discuss with you, the political dividends that this can have for Donald Trump. You know, go ahead. He, his platform was very prominently one of uh, scaling down American military presence in the Middle East and elsewhere. No more Middle Eastern wars, right? Right. So, so his constituency is not primed to uh, go into another lengthy war, and they will be um, among the people uh, least benefiting from from this war. Wait, wait, wait! There. But I thought Trump supporters will do anything Trump says. Absolutely, they will. But it's not going to bring him any additional dividends. It, it it could only subtract because by doing this he's violating one of his uh, major uh, campaign promises, and so there is no there are no there are not, not going to be any additional adepts and uh, uh, no additional people uh, getting on board with him because of this a and b. Uh, this has not been prepared. Country has not been prepared. Country is not going to be suddenly all uh, aglow with indignation at uh, at uh, the, this uh, Soleimani guy, whom, never, whom uh, basically no one has heard of uh, prior to this. Um, it's uh, our allies in the past. Our allies uh, are completely uh, confused and and uh, and uh, nonplussed and are basically. He's not going to create a coalition. Uh, is, is this just like a spy versus spy kind of a scenario where, you know, we took out their clandestine guy, our clandestine guys took out their clandestine guys, and that's it? And and now, what, CIA guys you know, should be worried? Or well, Trump, Trump, who has 
probably very different notions of, of self-respect and dignity from, uh, let's say, leaders of, uh, of, uh, of people in the Middle East. Uh, uh, behaves like a real estate guy. Okay, well, you know, I, I hurt you. Now let's talk about this. There are people for whom sense of self-respect is more important than anything else in the world. And those people absolutely will seek revenge and will exact revenge. And it's going to be a very dangerous situation because Iran, uh, Iran is not Iraq and not any other country that the United States has been in military conflict in the recent past. It's a powerful country with, uh, with exerting tremendous um, uh, influence over the terrorist organizations uh, and operating by proxy in different parts of the world. Uh, I do not for a millisecond believe that Trump or anybody who, or any of the hawks who have basically convinced him that this was the right thing to do have thought this through because it's entirely unclear what has led to this. Uh, none of the members of the congressional, you know, the eight, um, uh, the leaders of the Senate and, 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 and the House had not been informed about this. Everything was done in the dark. Uh, we've already gotten used to the notion that there is absolutely no information about the motivations of uh, steps undertaken by the White House. There is no information room. There is no, uh, you know, but uh, but at this point, when America is about to go to war, well, willy-nilly, he will have to share information with the American people because, it, after all, it's the children of American people and American people themselves who are going to be dying in this war. And people who will be suffering also will be Americans and American allies and innocent people all over the world just because this basically useless man is desperate and desperate about his impeachment and, and essentially is just wallowing in misery and despair. Uh, it's completely an untenable situation. And if anything is going to accrue to his benefit, it's just more and more people uh, despising and loathing the hell out of him. It's uh, completely unconscionable, I think. Um, it's, uh, it's just elections have consequences, and this is the consequence of electing or the country electing in a fairly suspect and tainted way somebody elected by a minority of people with, the, with Russian help who essentially is now... Uh, is in a position to hurt and influence negatively the lives of millions and millions of people, himself being the kind of person whose life is not worth much. Now, Mikhail, we don't know at this point, uh, this is too soon, but you are a writer, you're a creative person. What do you think led, what do you think we're likely to find out that led uh, to this attack? Well, as I said, I think he's desperate to distract public attention from um, the impeachment proceedings. And so he uh, had an opportunity, he took advantage of the opportunity and just well, you know, to he, redirect he, the attention. Yeah, he took advantage of the opportunity, but he's also a cautious and, and fairly fearful person. So now he's talking about de-escalation and effectively pleading with Iranians not to take any uh, reciprocal steps and just let's just talk now, now probably on, on more beneficial uh, conditions than uh, you had before. Um, but that's not gonna how it's going to work. Uh, those people will not lose their sense of pride. I mean, uh, the, the, this guy was a murderer. This guy was enemy of America and, uh, and the West. And yet at the same time, he was a top government official. And now the country, Iran, is united in its fury towards America. Was that the intended result? It was not the intended result. The, the regime change was basically the, the, the agenda from the very outset of people like Bolton, who no longer is there, and other hawks in the administration. But this is not how it's done. 
economic pressure is one condition, but uniting the country by assassinating one of the top leaders and charismatic military leader. In the country basically serves completely the opposite purpose. And when you say uniting, I think what you what you mean is also giving hardliners the opportunity to to run the show. Hardliners, softliners, everyone, according to reports now, are completely united. All the factions are completely united in their indignation over uh, over this this act. But what, uh, what can so, Iran so, do? Well, they cannot do anything because basically it's just. You know, America dealing a blow to their national pride, uh, and so nobody, no one can do anything. Uh, just another, another break on the wall of hatred that uh, that uh, Iranian leadership is feeling towards uh, U.S. leadership and uh, and 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 and, uh, and ordinary Iranians just basically are feeling humiliated as well. I don't know what he was thinking. My sense is that he's going to do anything. He's going to take as many people as possible with him as he's going down as a result of this impeachment because he is essentially pathological. And so uh, the world does not exist uh, in his mind unless he is in it. So, are, you, are you concerned about how this is going to affect the November elections and, well, and whether he's going to be even willing to leave? It's, it's so far away at this point. Look at, at, the, at the sheer speed with which uh, everything is... Uh, it, it, his, his so-called presidency is a permanent whirlwind or shit show. It's, it's just... It's, it's, everything, everything is happening at once, and essentially his agenda is to overwhelm the public uh, mind and the media with the sheer scope of his daily indignity. Uh, the media simply can't catch up with... Uh, uh, with uh, with his stuff, he's he's every single day he commits some acts or says things that would be major national scandal for months in previous presidencies. So I have no idea what's going to happen. I still think that he at this rate, the, at the rate he's going, he I wouldn't uh, I I would imagine that he might uh, he might he might have to resign. He might resign because we don't know where this leads. We don't know what's going to happen now. We don't know what. Uh, what uh, the terrorists around the world are, are are thinking and preparing. We don't know what Iran is going to do. They're going to do something. We have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, so November is uh, too far away to... Everything is too far away. A month from now is too far away to predict anything. All but right. I think basically he immersed himself in this maelstrom that that will uh, overwhelm him. The, the events will overpower him. He unleashed the events that will overpower him. Let me ask you this then, uh, Mikhail, and I'll remind the listeners that you're listening to Rashkin Report, and uh, I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. My guest today is Mikhail Iosir, professor and writer at University of Concordia in Montreal, uh, Canada. Mikhail, what do you think, uh, which of the Democratic candidates that are running right now, because there seems to be kind of a, a you know, four or five that we know are, are likely to start uh, winning uh, these primaries. Which, who of them may be likeliest to do well when faced with this type of a crisis, and not necessarily as a president and commander-in-chief, but as a candidate? Um, who of them do you feel is positioned the best? Well, that's kind of, <clears throat> I mean, um, there is nothing new that I could say. It's kind of self Evident that people with greater, whose greater asset is international experience, uh, are the ones who are going to benefit. And there are four major candidates at this point, right? And of those four, of course, Joe Biden, who's already started talking about this uh, ceaselessly, and that's his strong suit, of course. And well, what about Pete Buttigieg, who is Pete, also a veteran? 
and put in Pete Buttigieg, of course, who at 37 is a is a, is a is a war veteran, and who generally is an exceptionally bright guy who knows how to turn any situation to his advantage. He basically came out of nowhere with a zero name recognition a year ago. He is now a major candidate with with a with a humongous war chest. So uh, yeah, Biden and Buttigieg, obviously. Mikhail Yosef. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's great to speak with you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yuri. Thank you.